This is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options show, which never updated the intro. Now, when you when you say <laughs> it, I can hear it. Yes. Should we? I think it's all on Corona. Yeah, I think <laughs> it should be. Hello, everyone. This is Anna and Marta with their uh, weekly Corona update. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, interesting thing. Uh, do you know that uh, right now, in order not to be uh, taken down from YouTube, people are referring to Corona Rona? <laughs> no. No? Then now you know. Now it's Rona. So if you are wondering who Rona is, it's not who, it's actually coronavirus, but it's just because I think the YouTube now is analyzing the um, voices because, you know, you have this technology of uh, voice to, to text and stuff like this. So they are analyzing what is being said. And on the basis of that, the artificial intelligence is marking the potential uh, videos to be uh, either demonetized or taken down completely. So people started to call coronavirus Rona. <laughs> well, for me, one of the favorite ways to call it uh, actually doesn't help with uh, the, uh, with uh, what is this called? What that they are doing when they are taking everything down? Censorship? Yeah, it doesn't help <laughs> with censorship, but it uh, the name is COVID-1984. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, you know from where it comes from, right? Yeah, we from hope that you listeners know it too. Yes, and if not, then I would recommend you to read the book, which is a very interesting read, I believe. But uh, guys, today we are doing something that we have started, I think, over a month ago. Um, I believe I'm trying to check which episode uh, that was, but we started to discuss five biggest challenges people are facing now in times of pandemic. That was that was what we were trying to do. And then we actually got some actual challenge from real listener that we have solved last week. I think I'm checking now. Yes, that episode was uh, released a long time ago. I think six weeks ago. So, yeah, this is very, very strange, right? The time is flying like crazy. But you crazy. have the episode number? I think the episode number is the most useful yeah, for people to... I'm, I'm trying to find that. Well, but it was an episode where uh, we were discussing uh, the coming back to school mm-hmm. for children because Denmark uh, at that point reopened the kindergartens and schools for children from zero to fifth class great it was episode 156 so actually it was uh, three episodes ago should we send our children back to school challenges in times of pandemic in denmark and we have also uh, discussed the topic of protesting when you cannot assemble because uh, usually when you think about protesting you think about a group of people who are uh, meeting together and protest and as you cannot do that in times of pandemic because of the restriction of uh, of assembly and on how many people can actually be together at one place we were talking about alternative ways of protesting and i think that was quite important because as we have discovered uh, the current uh, situation is used in some countries to push some laws that are not connected with the uh, COVID-19, also known as RONA. (laughs) And uh, 
pretty much because of that uh, people feel trapped and we gave as an example the very strict abortion law that is now being discussed in a Polish parliament where uh, basically there will be no abortion in no cases even if the health and life of a mother is endangered uh, the law would actually uh, not allow even abortion in that kind of case. So naturally, um, many women in Poland wanted to protest, but how can you protest when you are under the lockdown? That was one of the things we were discussing, right? Yes, we were discussing those topics and then we went ahead and we started to discuss the following topics. We recorded the whole show and it went so well that we have decided not to release it. <laughs> and now, six weeks later, we, we are will. back and we will make another attempt. So if you are listening to us, that means that it went okay. Yes, <laughs> this time it went okay. So guys, continuing episode 156, five challenges. I would like to remind you first, what are the remaining three challenges that we have not managed to discuss? Well, we have managed to discuss, but we didn't release. And that is the, the challenges are... Number one, to vaccine or not to vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine controversy. The next challenge is, oh, I have so much material on this one that I basically had to scroll five pages. The, sec the second challenge today and the fourth in general would be how to run your business in the new normal. And the last challenge was how to go off the grid, independent community building. So basically, that is for people who are interested in becoming more independent from uh, the economical uh, system of the world, which uh, we are led to believe is collapsing right now. So maybe there is a point of trying to think about alternatives, and this we will discuss today as well. But yes, we are coming back to our first challenge for today, to vaccine or not to vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine controversy. And I believe that it is very important to mention at the beginning that this uh, segment of the program is not about vaccinations in general. This is about COVID-19 future vaccine that is now being developed. That's number one. And number two, we will today not... Uh, indulge ourselves with uh, interesting topics of uh, conspiracy theories. Although I would say it's always interesting to listen to conspiracy theories, but we will just focus on um, rather, I would say, um, scientific approach to it, if I might estimate it in that way. Marta, what do you think? How does it sound? Well, uh, it sounds very, very interesting. And I am uh, always curious when bringing this kind of topic mm -hmm. uh, on the table, what's the intention? Mm -hmm. Because for me, uh, discussing this, w when discussing this kind of topic, my intention is to practice my ability to talk about a topic which is potentially very divisive. Absolutely. In absolutely respectful and loving way, mm -hmm. in a way that would be non-divisive, mm -hmm. with uh, full respect that it's one of these situations where many people are completely pro, mm -hmm. many people are completely against, and of course there is a group of people who don't know where to where to go. With where this. to go, but the people who are pro and the people who are against, many of them have very um, bad opinion about the other group? I believe that vaccines in general are probably one of the most divisive topics you can come up with. Uh, interestingly, um, not many of us have a background in, in, in medical science. Yes, we yet we have a very strong opinion about vaccines. I believe that I have never met a person who wouldn't have an opinion about vaccines. And it's a very emotional topic. And I believe also because we are talking about possibility of eradication of diseases and we are also talking about children because it's when you are a child, you are usually going through a vaccination program. And uh, as an adult, uh, there, there are no vaccines unless, you know, you would like to have a flu vaccine, right? But that's also um, completely 
like Voluntary. up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as adults, we actually, uh, and I think that this is what uh, what is uh, very difficult about this topic, because not only we are, because we actually all have the same in mind, saving our children from diseases, no matter on what side of the argument you are, this is basically what people have in mind. And I think that this is so important to remember mm-hmm. because in in the, in discussing these kind of topics, we have a tendency to look at what differentiates us mm-hmm. instead of focusing on that we actually often have perfectly same motivation. We have actually the same goal here. We want our children to be safe, as simple as that. But COVID-19 vaccine is not about our children, or at least it's not only about our children. It's about the entire population of our lovely planet Earth. And the reason why we uh, pick up this challenge to discuss is uh, basically two reasons, I would say. One is more like a a global reason, as uh, probably many of you know, who those of you who are actually watching news or any other programs, that there is a quite a push for, or I would call it a race right now to come up with the vaccine against COVID-19, right? And that is uh, mainly because uh, so far, uh, official statement is that there is no cure. So of course, when there is no cure, we try to look into other options, and that would be a vaccination. And uh, I think the champion of this uh, of this uh, statement that vaccines will be the the best solution is, of course, Bill Gates and his foundation. Uh, I have seen uh, we will even have a clip where Bill is talking. Mr. Gates, I'm sorry, we don't know each other. So uh, Mr. Gates is talking about this uh, and he he talks uh, about the necessity of of, uh, coming up with the vaccination and vaccinate actually the entire population of of, of the planet. Um, And he is being mimicked by many of the government officials who are now also having uh, uh, quite similar statements. The other reason is actually a little bit more local. And... uh, by local, I mean uh, it's a it's it's here in Denmark, and that is um, the kind of a controversy that arose uh, when emergency coronavirus law was passed on 12th of March. Uh, it was a law that was passed that enabled, for instance, you know, uh, sh- lo- locking down the shops and. Uh, you know, it was the lockdown thingy. And um, in that law, and maybe it, it will be better if I will quote, on 12th of March, Denmark's parliament anonymously passed an emergency coronavirus law, which gives health authorities powers to force testing, treatment and quarantine wa- with the backing of the police. The far-reaching new law will remain in force until March 2021, when it will expire under a sunset clause. So basically, it's a has an expiration date unless it is being prolonged, right? And then um, Jens Elo Ritter, and that is not a Danish pronunciation, a law professor at Copenhagen University said that the measures were unlike anything passed in the last 75 years. Uh, it's certainly the most extreme since the Second World War, he told. Then we also have a DR court correspondent, uh, Trine Maria Ilse, Ilse. <laughs> I don't know, Marta. I don't know, Dennis. You should help me, but you won't. Uh, well, Trina said that Danish citizens could face prosecution under the new law if they refuse to comply with the health authorities' demands. It means that you could be sentenced to a punishment if you, for example, refuse to allow yourself to be tested for the coronavirus, she said. The Ministry of Health will now work with the Ministry of Justice on the details of how the police will work with health officials to enforce their demands. As well as enforcing quarantine measures, the law also also allows the authorities to force people to be vaccinated, even though there is currently no vaccination for the virus. And I believe that this was that kind of a a point uh, where many people uh, found it quite uncomfortable because the law is passed. This doesn't mean that we will be forced for a vaccination. It means that legally it is possible to be forced for a vaccination until at least March 21st, 2021. 
I think I will attach the link to an actual law in the show notes so everyone can read it in Danish. Uh, and uh, I believe that that was that uh, that point where people felt uncomfortable. What do you think, Marta? Well, uh, I know that that's uh, that Denmark is not the only country where yes. such measures were taken, and um, and therefore maybe it's relevant also for other people than uh, Danish people, as Could we be. have uh, listeners also around the world. And yes, definitely many people feel um, very insecure. Mm-hmm. In times when, especially when it's also with that claim, you know, with the en- enforcement of police, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of uh, unprecedented, I believe, especially yeah. in such a country like Denmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's very understandable that, you know, some people, they are like probably in this situation thinking, thanks God, they are really taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they will also vaccinate all the anti-vaxxers, mm-hmm. which is an unfortunate situation in which people who are very much pro-vaccines, uh, you know, uh, they probably get happy that the not so nicely called anti-vaxxers might not want to choose that solution. Mm-hmm. And then there is the other part of, um, of you know, of people who are like, oh my God, where have we arrived in the world where um, it can be enforced by the police to be vaccinated against your will. Mm-hmm. So it's one of these situations that is very, very delicate to discuss. Mm, I absolutely agree. Dennis, do you have, uh, di- did you know about this law? I did. You did. How, how are your feelings about it? Uh, I agree that it's an extreme measure, but... Uh, I I don't think it will be used mm-hmm. because I think most people, and when I say most people, I mean uh, the necessary percentage to achieve uh, herd immunity will do it voluntarily and are asking for it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it will ever be necessary to use, mm-hmm. but it is an extreme measure. Yeah, uh, I I believe that um, I've heard also opinions. You know, how can we pass a law where it is written that the vaccination may be forced while we don't even have the vaccination? So I guess many people also put a question question mark under that. But there are basically three reasons that I managed to collect, um, and they have nothing to do with conspiracy theories, guys. Uh, three reasons why people are skeptical about this. And I actually talked with people who are normally pro-vaccines and are against this specific vaccine. And the first is the idea that vaccine is the only solution and we need to vaccinate 7.8 billion people. Otherwise, we will never go back to normal. And if you think that I am in any way overreacting with the statement, Um, that's not my statement. That's the statement of, for instance, Mr. Gates and some other politicians. And for that, we actually have a clip, audio clip with some compilation. So you uh, will be able to see that I haven't invented that. But we're going to have this intermediate period of opening up uh, and it won't be normal until we get a, an amazing vaccine uh, to the entire world. The vaccine is is critical because until you have that, things aren't really going to be normal. They can open up to some degree, but the risk of a rebound will be there until we have very broad vaccination. They won't be back to normal until we either have that phenomenal vaccine or a therapeutic that's like over 95% effective. And so we have to assume that's going to be almost 18 months from now. And then the final solution, uh, which is a year to two years off, is the vaccine. So we've got to mm-hmm. go full speed ahead on all three fronts. Uh, just to head off the conspiracy theorists, maybe we shouldn't call the vaccine the final solution. Maybe just the Good best point. solution. <laughs> okay. More interestingly, since Gates began delivering this same talking point in every one of his many media appearances of late, it has been picked up and repeated by heads of state, health officials, doctors, and media talking heads, right down to the scientifically arbitrary, but very specific 18-month time frame. Realistically, COVID-19 will be here for the next 18 months or more. We will not be able to return to normalcy until we find a vaccine 
or effective medications. The hard fact is, until we find a vaccine, going back to normal means putting lives at risk. This will be the new normal until a vaccine is developed. The only thing that will really allow life as we once knew it to resume is a vaccine. Obviously, we continue to work on the vaccines, but the vaccines have to be down the road by probably 14, 15, 16 months. We're doing great on the vaccines. I have to say that uh, I don't know if you recognize the voices because it's unbelievable that I can recognize Trump everywhere. <laughs> and I also noticed that he was touching his microphone. So he's not the only one who has this problem. We also touch our microphone. But uh, that was a compilation of statements. Uh, first, of course, you could hear uh, Bill Gates, and that was a compilation from different interviews. He's all over media giving the same interview. Um, then we also heard a couple of governors uh, of different states in the United States. And then we also heard the prime minister of Canada. The hot one, if you have any doubts who I'm referring to. And at the end, of course, we could hear Donald Trump. And people are uh, definitely uh, thinking, okay, so uh, we won't go back to normal unless we will get the vaccine. And some might say that this is extremely narrow minded approach because, first of all, we are over focusing and over funding one specific solution. So we are not really focusing on other possible treatments or solutions, although they are tested, but the vaccine is now heavily funded from, I think, I think even Germany gave 500 million euros for the vaccination uh, program. And celebrities are giving the money, all the governments are giving the money, right? Then, of course, um, it is uh, speculated that Okay, if we already had COVID-19, many of us probably already went through a disease. Uh, it is said that probably the rate of, um, of uh, infection is 10 times more. Many people actually don't have even symptoms. Then why do we need to vaccinate all of the people when probably a huge part of the population already had the disease? or the virus. And the third point is, at this point, actually, World Health Organization is claiming that officially they cannot uh, confirm that once you get the COVID-19, you are immune. And the entire idea of the vaccination is that you are uh, introducing the body with the Anti antibody of the virus. So you will get immunity because your body will learn how to fight it. Yet if you are not immune after the infection, then the vaccine should not work according, this, uh, according to this approach. So uh, looking at all this information, I guess many people are thinking, why the hell we are not coming back to normal unless the vaccine is being developed? Isn't this a little bit short-sighted? Is it, uh, isn't this a little bit uh, overdramatic? And uh, what's going on here? What is your opinion about this, guys? Dennis, do you want to go first? No, go. Well, my opinion is that um, I hope that there will never be a situation where mm -hmm. we are forced mm -hmm. uh, to take vaccines. Uh, I will find it as a very difficult personal situation as I really personally find it very hard mm -hmm. to accept that someone might force me to inject something into my body under these kind of circumstances where it's not even sure if it's working, it hasn't been tested. There have been situations where vaccines have been withdrawn after a few years because uh, they were proven to um, be damaged. Oh, we will get to that, Marteczka. Marteczka, I used <laughs> <laughs> I called her Marteczka sometimes because she she she's Marteczka for me sometimes. Yeah, we will actually go to the safety in a moment. But uh, what do you think about this uh, over um, funding and and focus of, of this narrative uh, that if not the vaccines, we will never go back to normal. We, we could hear in a clip that M Gates is repeating that, Mr. Gates is repeating that, and many of politicians are following. Um, what do you think about that? 
What do I think about that? Well, I believe that uh, many people in the world throughout the last two months mm-hmm. have been really scared. Mm-hmm. I think many people were really afraid of that deadly virus. Um, Mr. Gates have been mentioning that the possible pandemic is coming. He has been talking about it already before. And probably the way it looked like how quickly the virus was spreading, it really looked like extremely difficult situation, like mm-hmm. really big deal. And I think many people were really scared. And the the how quickly it was developing produced this situation where... Uh, you know, like this fear that we will never get back to normal unless we have this vaccination. So I think that probably it is starting to change now. Mm -hmm. And we need to look at how this will be developing Mm -hmm. in the months to come, where the countries, also those countries where it was difficult to get through the situation because in Denmark we are quite fortunate with Mm -hmm. how the situation has been developing. But there are some countries where the the situation was much more severe. Mm-hmm. And when we see when those countries are starting to overcome um, the situation, we will see how the numbers will be developing. I th- hope, I truly, sincerely hope that we will never have to come to this situation where that will have to happen. Mm-hmm. But I can understand that at some point it looked that grim mm-hmm. that people were believing this that they were simply believing that this is the only way out. Okay. Unfortunately, the clips that I have presented are quite uh, from, some of them are even from a couple of days ago. So I believe that some of the uh, people in charge in some countries are still believing that. What do you think about this, uh, Denise? Shouldn't we focus on other things rather than the vaccines? Um, Well, first of all, I don't know that there is an actual overfunding Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that. How 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 do you determine that there's an overfunding? Um, comparing the um, the money that is being uh, put into the vaccination programs um, in relation to other, let's say, alternative uh, things like um, trying some medicine. Yeah, but couldn't that? also mean underfunding of the other programs? Uh, that is also correct, yes. But and, if, and, if and we The reason I'm saying it, because mm-hmm. overfunding is, is an emotionally charged mm-hmm. way to put it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah. I agree. Um, and second, I think it's it's such a shame that Bill Gates is the, the talking head uh, that we're all listening to. I, I don't think we should listen to celebrities or rich people because he's not a doctor. I would much rather that there was some superstar virologist or doctor saying this because he's not pulling this out of his ass. I'm not saying he's right, but he is only repeating the medical consensus right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's his opinion. I, he has access to a lot of things that we don't have access to. Uh, and I don't think he wants it to be like this. I don't believe that. But I would much rather that what the medical facts are right now, as they've seen it, as the consensus is, was presented by a doctor. That would give it so much more credibility in my mind as well, because he is, at the end of the day, he's just a rich man. He's not a doctor. He's not a virologist. Mm -hmm. Um, When all that's said and done... I don't know other cures that we could put money into. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't uh, know that. Mm-hmm. Well, we we also have to make a distinction that vaccine is not a cure. It's not. It's a it's a prevention. Yeah. Right. So uh, that that's another thing. Um, okay, but let's see about the second argument that makes people uh, worried. Are there any therapeutic treatments that we we could put more money into? investigating Mm -hmm. does it exist there are plenty of voices from the doctors but those are the doctors that were treating the patients directly uh, about certain things that uh, that they were trying Mm -hmm. and some of them were successful so i believe that uh, the possibility could be to actually investigate those things revise what those doctors were doing and trying to see if there is any um, anything 
good or great in that. Maybe there is an answer because, you know, there are protocols in hospitals, a very standard procedures of how you should treat this. But I think we all know that, um, for instance, in New York, more than 90% of the people who were put under ventilators have passed away, mm -hmm. which could indicate that that was not the best strategy to help those people. Um, so basically, uh, maybe let's look at other things because some doctors were trying different things. So that could be an alternative. And I believe it's a va valid alternative to look into. But I think the other thing that worries people the most is the fact that uh, the vaccine is promised to be available in 18 months. Of course, it's an optimistic, not a promise, but a forecast. And I think 18 months is something that we hear all the time, 18 months, 18 months, 18 months. At least I heard it in many of the interviews also with Mr. Gates. And that's only if you skip a lot of trials. Exactly. So that, basically... Uh, if, if you've cancel all the, the normal routines of testing mm -hmm. and trials, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. I completely so. agree. And maybe let's start with the second clip, audio clip that I prepared, and then I will go into the skipping of the steps. What should be surprising is that this strangely specific and continuously repeated message that we will not go back to normal until we get a vaccine in 18 months has no scientific basis whatsoever. Medical researchers have already conceded that a vaccine for SARS-CoV-2 may not even be possible, pointing to the inability of researchers to develop any kind of immunization against previous coronavirus outbreaks like SARS or MERS. But even if such a vaccine were possible, serious concerns remain about the safety of developing, testing, and delivering such an amazing vaccine to the entire world in this remarkably short time frame. Even proponents of vaccine development openly worry that the rush to vaccinate billions of people with a largely untested experimental coronavirus vaccine will itself present grave risks to the public. One of these risks involves disease enhancement. It has been known for over a decade that vaccination for some viral infections, including coronaviruses, actually enhances susceptibility to viral infection or even causes infections in healthy vaccine recipients. Now, the issue of safety, something that I want to make sure the American public understand. It's not only safety when you inject somebody and they get maybe an idiosyncratic reaction, they get a little allergic reaction, they get pain. There's safety associated. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases in which you vaccinate someone, they get infected with what you're trying to protect them with, and you actually enhance the infection. This is no mere theoretical risk. As researchers who were trying to develop a vaccine for the original SARS outbreak discovered, the vaccine actually made the lab animals subjected to it more susceptible to the disease. One of the things that we're not hearing a lot about is the unique potential safety problem of coronavirus vaccines. Uh, this was uh, first found in the early 1960s with the respiratory syncytial virus. Uh, vaccines, at children, and it was done here in Washington with the NIH and Children's National Medical Center, that some of those kids who got the vaccine actually did worse, and I believe there were two deaths as in, in the consequence of that study, because what happens with certain types of respiratory virus vaccines, you get immunized, and then when you get actually exposed to the virus, you get this kind of paradoxical immune enhancement phenomenon. And what how and and we, we don't entirely understand the basis of it, but we recognize that it's a real problem for certain respiratory virus vaccines. That killed the RSV program for decades. Now the Gates Foundation is taking it up again. But when we started developing uh, coronavirus vaccines and our colleagues, we noticed in laboratory animals that they started to show some of the same immune pathology that resembled what had happened 50 years earlier. This specific issue regarding coronavirus vaccines is exacerbated by the arbitrary and unscientific 18-month time frame that Gates is insisting on for the vaccine's development. In order to meet that deadline, vaccine developers are being urged to use new and largely unproven methods for creating their experimental immunizations, including DNA and mRNA vaccines. So we will jump into mRNA and DNA vaccines in a moment because that's the third argument. 
but um, what you have heard uh, was actually an audio clip from uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, which is the main um, doctor responsible for managing the corona uh, coronavirus crisis in United States. And the second clip was uh, from the head of uh, vaccine research center that was giving his testimony in a Congress under oath. So those are not uh, some uh, doctors that we don't know who they are. Uh, they are actually people who are uh, working with that. And I believe uh, for anyone who is interested, because Dennis, you made a very good point, we can get that vaccine in 18 months if we will skip hell of a lot of steps. Um, if we would follow the regular timeline, and now I'm basing what I'm saying, um, I'm basing it on the um, very good article that was posted in New York Times, where it was shown how normally we develop vaccines versus what is planned to be done with this one. Um, there are several stages and of course you have to go through academic research, which is usually two years. Then you have um, preclinical trials, then you have phase one trials, phase two trials, phase three trials, building factories, manufacturing the vaccine, and then you have authorization and distribution. If we would follow the regular, um, I would say, time frame that is usually used for vaccines, we would have it uh, in May 2036. That is the regular process. I would like to remind you that, for instance, a, uh, a um, vaccine for um, MMR, MMR vaccine, so mumps, measles and rubella vaccine that is now given to our children, it took 11 years to develop. Uh, we are still not having a vaccine for HIV. It is estimated it will take us 50 years to do that vaccine. The fastest we have ever came up with a vaccine for a novel virus was four years. So I guess many people are worried that there will be a lot of steps that will be uh, skipped, uh, rushed through in order to release the vaccine on the market. And uh, in the article by New York Times, it, there is a very interesting interactive um, graphs when you can actually see uh, how the timeline will change if you will cut on some of the steps. Um, and you can play with that and see what is the fastest way to develop the vaccine. Uh, but even the author, who is obviously um, very much in fond of a vaccination, uh, is um, saying that uh, basically... At this point, you might be ask, asking, why are all these research uh, teams announcing such optimistic forecasts when so many experts are skeptical about even uh, on 18 months timeline? Perhaps because it's not just the public listening, it's investors too. And I think that uh, that actually is... Uh, quite important point to make. Those companies have to have investors and stakeholders. And, you know, if you will promise a vaccine in 10 years, then maybe there will be not that much of an investment to begin with. Um, any opinions about the uh, speed race for the vaccine and the health uh, implications if we would if we would actually have a vaccine in 18 months timeline? I, I, I really don't know if this disease is serious enough to skip all those steps. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I do believe that many investors today they they want fast returns on their investments. So giving them a, a fifteen year timeline that might not be super popular. Mm, I don't think so. But but I don't know. I I really don't know if if this is that much more serious than anything else we've encountered that we need to rush past all the safeguards. Mm -hmm. yeah. I really don't know. Yeah, because uh, of course uh, the thing that we people are saying we could skip on the on the building of the manufacturing plants. We could speed that up very much because you know, if you have enough money you can probably make a building uh, in a very short time because that takes five years according to the timeline. However, I think we are forgetting that within the vaccine manufacturing facility, there has to be the highest standards of 
um, of sanitary equipment and of trained people and all of that. So it's not like building a, a hotel or, um, I don't know, a, a house. It, it actually has a very, very serious requirements. So we don't contaminate what we produce down there. Um, so the third one... The can, third, can I, can I yeah. comment on that real sure. fast? Sure. I'm, I would be very, 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 very surprised if people like Bill Gates and very, very rich people haven't built 10 laboratories all over the world that meets all those standards that are just ready for the next thing. Yes, uh, that actually could be uh, could be the case. And then we would be able to skip on five years. Simply because there's so much money to be made. If you get a patent for a worldwide vaccine of something that hits all the entire globe, mm-hmm. you could make so much money so fast. That is uh, correct. So I believe that uh, that you might be right here. I, I don't know, but I'd be surprised if, if they there weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that is still cutting five years from the timeline. We have to remember that. And if we uh, believe that we can speed up things, if we focus and fund it very well, then I would say, well, I will not bake the rice faster if I will just turn up the heat. You know, there are laws of, of, of biology and science. You cannot speed up a trial. As, as simple as that, you can speed up on building the factory. You can speed up administrative process, I believe, you know, if there is a lot of bureaucracy, right? You cannot speed up things like a medical trial. And that uh, if, if we would cut on the administrative and building things, the vaccine would still be ready around 2030 if we would follow the normal, regular process of vaccine development. The last, um, the last argument that I've heard but not many people talk about this because this is going a little bit into uh, the details and uh, nuts and bolts of vaccines. It that is that uh, two leading companies right now who are who are working on uh, uh, the vaccine and are at the head of the race, which is I think Moderna and In Invio, uh, are trying to make uh, RNA and DNA based vaccines respectively. That is a new way of doing vaccines and it's done because it could be cheaper and faster to produce. However, it's new and it has not been done before and we can actually listen to the last clip. Yeah, so the there's an approach called the RNA vaccine that people like Moderna, CureVac uh, and others are using that in 2015, we'd identified that as very promising uh, for pandemics and for uh, other applications as well. And so if everything goes perfectly uh, with the RNA approach, we could actually beat the 18 months. We don't want to create unrealistic expectations. So the concept of an RNA vaccine is let's inject the RNA molecule that encodes for the spike protein. It's making your cell do the work of creating this viral protein that is going to be recognized by your immune system and trigger um, the development of these antibodies. Our bodies won't make a full-fledged infectious virus, they'll just make a little piece and then learn to recognize it and then get ready to destroy the virus if it then later comes and invades us. It's a relatively new, unproven technology. And there's still no example of an RNA vaccine that's been deployed worldwide in the way that we need for the coronavirus. There's the possibility for unforeseen adverse effects. So this is all new territory, whether it would elicit protective immune response against this virus is just unknown right now. Rushing at warp speed to develop a new vaccine using experimental technology and then mass producing and delivering billions of doses to be injected into basically the entire world, before adequate testing is even done, amounts to one of the most dangerous experiments in the history of the world, one that could alter the lives of untold numbers of people. That an experimental vaccine, developed in a brand new way and rushed through with a special shortened testing regime, should be given to adults, children, pregnant women, newborn babies, and the elderly alike, would be, in any other situation, unthinkable. Uh, I think it's uh, very important to remember that once the vaccine will be developed, to check uh, what type of vaccine it is. Is it a traditional vaccine 
or is it RNA vaccine or DNA-based vaccine? Um, as I said, Moderna is now uh, in a race for RNA approach and in vivo is for DNA approach. Uh, those vaccines have not yet been successfully developed ever and the research is uh, happening since 1990. So it is an experimental approach. If it would be successful, that could be something really great. But we don't know. And it is very, very um, clear that scientists are uh, quite reserved about this because, of course, uh, that solution was never successfully. The vaccines were, e in fact, uh, developed, but they didn't pass the trials, right? So uh, that was all I had from the audio clips and my commentary about the possible COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and I would like to say that in order to feel safe and share with the vaccine that may or may not come, I believe we really need to um, be more informed about the process and about the timeline and about the potential risks. Um, and for this specific reason, I am not a big fan of the law that was passed, for instance, in Denmark, because we can see that there is quite a lot of um, risks uh, so far, right? Uh, so I would really urge everyone to be uh, to, to keep an eye on it, you know, to just educate yourself a little bit about this specific topic because we are really entering something very new in a, in a science of, of immunization and the vaccines as well. What are your opinion, guys? Marta is uh, looking in the... Like, <laughs> Anna, I love your voice. I can listen to it well, forever. Well, I think you have, you have done very good uh, points. I think you have brought knowledgeable people uh, into the table. Uh, there is a question of whether experimental approaches are good for humanity or mm -hmm. not good for humanity and how this will all unveil, we don't know. So I, I liked what you have brought here to the table, the different opinions that you have uh, put uh, together mm -hmm. so i'm just yeah like now we have to be mindful open conscious about it and see how it all unveils thank you marta dennis uh, i i agree with those points but i do think there's one one side of this uh, many-sided coin that we haven't discussed uh, and that's the doctors mm -hmm. they all have this uh, sign make this uh, Hippocratic Oath of, of to mm -hmm. do no harm. Yes. And that's like the base principle. Everybody knows that. Do I trust that the doctors of Denmark, that the health department, that uh, the doctors who are going to administer this uh, possible experimental vaccine? I mean, all vaccines are, are sort of experimental because you can do testing and 100 years ago when they developed vaccines, they were exper experimental as well, I guess. They, they never did anything like that. Do we trust the doctors to not inject us with something that they don't trust themselves? Mm -hmm. That is a very good question, Dennis. And I have seen a, a petition, and I, that's why I would like to get more into details of this, but I wasn't able to prepare the side of it. I have seen a petition, and uh, now currently signed by 6,000 people, uh, against the forced vaccination here in Denmark, but it's only the Danish citizen that can sign it. Uh, for instance, I cannot sign it. Um, and the petition was like, um, stop the forced vaccination and bring back the coronavirus um, decision-making to the independent panel of experts and doctors. So uh, there is apparently, uh, for some people, maybe there is a certain bias by the, um, by the doctors that are now talking about um, those ramifications here in Denmark. I, I don't know. I don't know because I actually am not that much into a Danish politics. But apparently in this petition, they are asking that there is an independent scientific panel assembled 
to assess all of the medical decisions done by a Danish Ministry of Health. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting point to put. And now, of course, the question. Uh, do we trust doctors? I think we also need to um, answer ourselves uh, how knowledgeable doctors are about the the vaccines themselves, right? Because uh, I will tell you a situation from my private life, and that was uh, someone who talked to, to, to me, a person who was vaccinated her child, and she asked the doctor what's in a vaccine, and the doctor didn't know, right? They cannot say what's in a they They can actually read it to you, but they don't know. And once I heard a very good comparison, you know, when you go to a restaurant and you ask what's in my food, because you might have a food allergy, you might be allergic to something. Most probably even the waiter will know exactly what your food was made of. If waiter will not know, the cook will know. And he can come and recite the entire ingredients because he knows that if God forbid you are allergic to onions and there is onion there, you actually might have a severe allergic reaction. So I go to a restaurant having a trust in a cook that he knows what he's serving me. If a doctor cannot answer what's in the vaccine that I am being injected with, then I need to also ask the doctor how is he basing his trust on that specific vaccine, on what he's basing this trust. trust. And um, and I think that's a very good question to ask. I, I get the analogy, but I don't think it's fair because vaccines is such a narrow and such a specific part of, of, of medicine. Mm -hmm. I completely a, agree. A regular doctor would have no specific knowledge into what goes into a vaccine, but it is made by other doctors who have the same oath. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I guess it's just based on trust. This is an extension of trust. This yeah. is a very good point, Dennis. So, we are talking so now about extension of trust. Yeah. So I, I would never expect my doctor to be able to explain me what and how regarding vaccines because I, 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 they don't know that. It's, it's simply not in their training. They know mm -hmm. that it creates antibodies, period. So I guess the question would be, do we trust the doctors that are creating the vaccines? I guess that would be the, 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 the question we would have to ask if the doctor that is the first contact doctor, of course, doesn't have knowledge. You have to study for that to be able to, uh, to develop vaccines. So this is a system of a trust. And I believe that that could actually also answer some of the questions people are having. Why some people are against this particular vaccine? Because they might not trust uh, the the process of developing and I believe that in this specific case of a COVID-19 when we see the extremely optimistic timeline of 18 months um, you might start to wonder are those people who are creating that uh, will really not do their best but is it possible even with the best intention to create something that is safe so I believe it's always a, a matter of a trust, trust in a system we are living in. Yes? No? Am I being too philosophical here? No, no, not at all. It, 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 nobody's infallible. Doctors mm -hmm. make mistakes. Like you said, the, yeah. some viruses or some vaccines have been taken off the market again because even though there were extensive trials, they turned mm -hmm. out to be bad and they turned out to have some yeah. two adverse effects because all, all medicines, all treatments, all therapeutics, all everything regarding mm -hmm. our bodies have potential downsides. They have potential side effects or mm -hmm. some might die from a vaccine because mm -hmm. they, are, they are the one in a billion that, that are allergic to this one compound that everybody else mm -hmm. can take without question. And I believe that the, the, the controversy here is that we are vaccinated perfectly healthy people, right? So not the people who actually are sick. Because I, I, I think that... Uh, that's, that's the nature of vaccine. Everybody, yeah. you have to, a certain percentage have yeah. to be vaccinated before so, you get the disease. So vaccination only helps if 
perfectly healthy people get it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when I'm thinking about, you know, me maybe having COVID-19 already, maybe I already had it and I was asymptomatic like many people are. Maybe or we all did. Maybe we all did have it. Um, maybe even if I would have it, nothing would really happen to me. I would just go with it like with a normal flu or, or cold. And then I am offered or being forced to take an experimental vaccine. Then, you know, I have to um, I have to oppose to that. That's as simple as that in this timeline that I'm being presented. So that is my personal opinion, especially that there is no proof that you actually get immunity because World Health Organization still cannot uh, give a statement if you are immune to the COVID-19 once you had it. So then the entire idea of vaccine is basically useless if you can get it over and over again. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that we have discussed this topic throughoutly. And I believe that it was important to present the audio clips and have a very respectful discussion. What I also believe that because of my very respectful discussion and a lot of different things that I have presented today, we will not be able to go, Marta, to uh, challenge number four and five. Yeah, I have uh, realized that about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yes. That, uh, when I s- saw that you were just discussing the point two of uh, <laughs> yeah. more that you've had, I did realize that this is going to be the case. But I believe that, you know, we, we, we know that people are listening to us. And I know that this, this is also on the radio. Uh, for that reason, I believed it was important not to treat this topic superficially. And I also believe it was important to focus on this vaccine only and really omit all kind of uh, conspiracy theories because there are plenty. We know about this to really look at the timeline to what is being said uh, officially from official media sources, from officials uh, that are leading the countries and just to reflect on it, because we as as Denise, you mentioned, you know, we are all prone to make mistakes, all of us, doctors, we humans, politicians, and we really, as as citizens of any country, we need to be um, observative and, and also critical, if necessary, of the governments and the decisions that are done on behalf of us. So I believe this was important to look at this uh, in detail and with a sober mind. Far more than being really worried about the, the COVID-19 right now. I am worried about so many countries in the world where governments are not letting this crisis go to waste and impose new laws that have nothing to do with the disease, like you mentioned in Poland. And the same things have happened in states in America where you all of a sudden you cannot get an abortion that was already scheduled. Mm-hmm. Because they they misuse this crisis to impose new laws on various things, and it's not just it's it's all over the world where governments are doing that, hiding it in the subtext. And yeah, because you know it it is really at this point of the discussion, regardless if you are pro or against abortion, there is a certain procedure on how you introduce a new law. And those procedures are being uh, either banned or completely omitted. So I think this is a very good point, Denise. Marta, is there anything you would like to mention at the very end? Maybe a teaser for the part three, because obviously that is going to happen. Well, it's very interesting that we will make three hours yet again from one (laughs) hour show. Uh, Yes. So in the next show, we will talk about how to keep your business up and running Mm -hmm. when the way you were running it is now forbidden (laughs) or largely restricted. So that's going to be a very interesting discussion. And then you, Anna, have something that you have personally been very much into. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we were discussing in our WhatsApp recordings, especially in the first phase of the lockdown. Which is a prototype of our podcast, by the way, those WhatsApp recordings. Yes, <laughs> they still continue. Yeah. And if they ever leak, I think we will be put in prison. No, joking. I hope that Mr. Gates will not get into my WhatsApp. Can he do that? Let's Mr. just call him Bill from now on. Bill. Like this. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last part is not that scandalous, no. but it is how to go off the grid, mm-hmm. independent community building. 
Yes, so guys, uh, it will not be the next episode. It will actually be episode after the episode because we still have questions for you that we will answer live on air. Uh, Dennis, your face is over. Ah, because our outro is playing. So guys, next episode, questions from listeners and next, next episode, part three, where we will talk about going off the grid and about running your business in the new normal. Thank you very much for today. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks.